What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 50. Can you believe it, Steve? Episode 50 of the Flip Screen Games podcast. We're still here. I know, it's crazy. Two to go, and then we've been doing this for a No, not really, because we've done extra episodes, but almost a year. We are a certain a number year. of weeks away from one year. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a special one. We'll do a special thing for the one-year anniversary and everything. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But this is a milestone in and of itself. 50, it's, you know, that's like one of those big, uh, what do they call that's them? 100 yeah. milestones. Yeah, but like they have, they do that with like the wedding anniversaries, right? Where you have like the wood, oh, the yeah, tin. Yeah. I don't know which one this is, but this is like our tin podcast anniversary or something, Steve. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think, t- I hope 50 is better than 10. Yeah? Because otherwise, like, you know, you get to 15, you just get a bit of tin. Like, it's gold, by the way. It's, it's gold. gold. Yeah. So this is the gold anniversary. Yeah. Wow. Well, like, I think the first anniversary is like paper or something, isn't it? And you like go up from there. Eventually we get to like Ruby and stuff. I like the idea that as soon as you have one episode of a podcast, you've reached the paper anniversary. It's like, good job. You've done the minimum viable product. Here you go. Well, or, one, or one year. Yeah, I guess this is our paper anniversary coming up for for the one year. I, I, might be, I might be wrong. We're probably going to have people saying, no, you don't get anything for the one-year anniversary. You get so nothing. You get Nobody cares. Years. No one cares that you made it a year. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? <laughs> you're going to be the one that has to learn this stuff because you're the one getting married this year. That me. is true. That is true. But, Steve, we're not here to talk about me getting married this year. We're here to talk about video games because this is the Flip Screen Games podcast, a video game podcast where two best buds from different nations come together to discuss the wide, wide world of video games. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. Did you book your flight for my wedding yet? No, I have not. Yo, chop, chop, buddy. You are, is, we are months away. I know it's crazy. You're about to this, like, you're, you're about to drop a bomb on me. You're gonna you're gonna pull a Mass Effect on me like two weeks before <laughs> I went. Yeah, you know what? Sorry, mate. I'm not gonna be able to make it. You know, uh, you know. <laughs> Never booked it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got a jam packed show for you this week. We got the news that there the new skate game previously. I guess we would have called it Skate Four. Uh, is going to be a free-to-play live service game called Skate. Um, And it's going to be kind of platform-oriented. There's a lot, a lot of feelings around that, and understandably so. And I'm very interested to talk about it. I've been thinking about it a lot since this news broke earlier this week, and uh, I'm excited to chew on it with you in just a Mm -hmm. minute, Steve. Uh, But before that, let me remind you that this episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of July. They are, of course, Christian Oliveria, Christopher Valenz, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, a.k.a. Asobi, Mary Berry, Smilky Shake, Wakahula, and Zaid Ida. Thank you all so much for your support over on Patreon.com slash games. You're all the realest of the real, and we appreciate your support of this fine program. If you want to get your name read on the air, if you want to get early access to this and our sister show, Nintendo Noise, if you want to get access to our patreon exclusive podcast one more thing you gotta head over to the patreon uh, however you choose to support the show we really do appreciate you and of course there are a bunch of ways that you can get involved even if you don't have any money to toss our way head over to flipscreen.games that's our website where you can find links to our discord our uh, social media you can find links to our email address if you want to write into the show a bunch of ways that you can get involved however you choose to do so we're happy to have you 
So let's jump into the start screen. This question comes from uh, Andy Rads from the community who wrote in and said, I've said this for a long time. It's okay buying digital copies of games, but what happens when they pull it? Now, this question was asked in relation to some news that was making uh, the rounds this week uh, that Assassin's uh, Assassin's Creed, I almost said Cleed, don't know where that came from, (laughs) Assassin's Creed Liberation um, on Steam had an update that suggests that the game uh, will soon be unplayable, uh, even for people who own the game. So if you're not familiar, um, Liberation was uh the i believe it was psp or was it vita i can't quite remember it was it was the vita title it was the spin-off of assassin's creed 3 yeah yes yes thank you yeah and um it for a long time was only on vita it you know a couple years ago it made the jump uh to other platforms and they they kind of did and like it's, a, and it's also in the remaster as well of assassin's this is creed the original 3. one yeah right it's it's included as a as a bonus there as well so this ended up um, making a bunch of, you know, a bunch of waves, right? Uh, the original story reported that uh, there was a notice, and it said, at the request of the publisher, Assassin's Creed Liberation HD is no longer available for sale on Steam. Please note this title will not be accessible following September 1st, 2022. So that uh, is when that that the news initially broke, and... Um, you know, again, I think people were like reasonably concerned about that, right? It's that like it is setting like a, a concerning kind of um, precedent. This idea that a publisher could just revoke the license to a game that you already paid for. Of course, I would think anybody who, maybe not anybody, but I think many people who engage with Steam or engage with PC gaming. Um, know that that is the case right that like when you buy a game from steam you're not actually buying the game you're buying a license to the game which can be revoked um you agree to that and not just steam that's any any digital marketplace sure yeah um steam kind of i guess set that precedent right but um Mm -hmm. that that is what it is right like that's how it works and you know i think a lot of people you know do have concerns about that and right what that means um i think it's worth Following up here that there were two updates to the story, Ubisoft did reply to the report and gave uh, this this report came from Video Games Chronicle. They provided them with a statement um, regarding like uh, recently decommissioning some games. Uh, and Ubisoft said, we don't take the decision to retire services for older Ubisoft games lightly, and our teams are currently assessing all available options for players who will be impacted when these games' online services are decommissioned on September 1st, 2022. We are also working with our partners to update this information across all storefronts, so players will be fully informed about the removal of online services at the point of purchase, as well as our support article where we shared the news. Uh, and then there was a follow-up statement where they basically said that Steam's information was incorrect and that the game will remain playable after September 1st and said, as stated in our support article, only DLCs and online features will be affected by the upcoming decommissioning. Current owners of those games will still be able to access, play, or re-download them. Our teams are working with our partners to update this information across all storefronts and are also assessing all available options for players who will be impacted when these game services, online services, are decommissioned on September 1st, 2022. It has always been our intention to do everything in our power to allow those legacy titles to remain available in the best possible 
possible conditions for players, and that is what we are working toward. So, not quite the uh, the doom and gloom, I think, that people initially suspected. But I think, either way, the question's been raised, right? Like, now that this has been put out there, I think it has brought it to people's attention that this is something that can happen at any point, right? And I think, especially for people who are the pro-physical people... Um, this feels like a big feather in that cap, right? Of like, this is why you buy physical. Um, yeah, but you know, that's not usually an option on PC anymore. Since right. since Steam's ubiquity, you know, you buy a physical copy. Like I bought Macaulay um, the special edition of Farming Sim, and you get a code in the box. That's just what you get. This is the same deal with the new PlayStation special editions. You don't get a physical disc. You're going to get a code in the box. And, you know, uh, this still leaves a bad taste in my mouth regardless because they knew, obviously knew this was happening September 1st, right? They knew that the online services would be turned off. They knew that the DLC wouldn't be un- would be unaccessible. We had the Steam summer sale up until last week, and they put this game on sale without the notice, without letting anyone know that if you bought this game on sale... After September 1st, you wouldn't be able to enjoy the DLC or the online services that went with it. And that just, for me, is just a really shitty thing to do to your customers. You're trying to get people in and and sell it on like a fire sale at the last minute before you take it out or off sale, not two weeks later. That, I feel like, is an interesting thing because it's like... The game is still playable, right? Like, I don't know how significant the online functionality is but this to me like doesn't feel and again i'm i'm shooting from the hip here haven't played the game can't speak to that fact if i'm incorrect please correct me but this to me feels like pretty akin to like mass effect 3 for example right where it's like that game's multiplayer functions no longer work right but you can still play the game like the game itself is still playable um well um, you know we had that story this week as well that the ea is finally getting rid of bioware points and their solution is to just make the DLC free for everyone. Yeah. Anyone that wants the DLC, you can just download it through EA Origin instead. And why not do that with this instead? Like, let everyone have the DLC who bought the game and just, you know, yeah, the online services are going offline. Okay. I don't know, again, how big of an impact that will have on the gameplay. But if if you bought, the, if you bought this game and then bought the DLC, you won't be able to, um, you won't be able to buy, like, play that DLC anymore. And that and that sucks. Like I feel like if they knew they were going to be removing this game from sale at the end of July, or even midway through July when the Steam Summer Sale ended like ten days ago, they should have they they should have put a notice on there or removed the DLC from sale at the very least. Agreed. Yeah, it's very interesting. I I can't. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the game's Wikipedia page, and I actually can't find any mention of like what the online functionality actually is, which is interesting. Um, I don't know, because I I don't know how much this is actually going to like impact players. I guess is more my question. Not not to disagree with you that like what that not warning people about this before the sale and everything. Because like if I bought DLC and then all of a sudden it wasn't usable, I'd be annoyed by that. Um, but I guess I wonder, like, how prevalent a problem that is, if, like, the online is, like, a minor feature, and it's, like, is it a thing where, like, you need to have an active online community for that online functionality to even work, and, like, are people even playing the game like that anymore? I think those are questions worth answering. Yeah. But I think 
the point though, right, is like the principle of this is still concerning, right? And I think that's like people are not uh, wrong to to feel some kind of way about this. But you know, I was talking about it with um, with Andy in the Discord, right? And like, you know, I think the unfortunate thing is, you know, because because like looking at specifically the phrasing of this of this question. I've said it's okay for a long time. It's okay to buy digital games, but what happens when they pull it? I think the reality is that you don't have recourse anymore anyway, right? Like, un- unless you're a Nintendo Switch gamer, um, you have no recourse because even on Xbox and PlayStation, like, the d- physical copies of the games that you're buying are not actually, like, playable copies of those well, games a big more chunk of them not. are actually digital foundry did a did a video on it where they they tested to see which games had like playable content on the disc and there is like a big chunk i think they they determined it was about 70 percent of the discs that they checked right had, but had the game on the disc but they are not like fully patched games and if those patches get removed or the online services get taken offline in some instances like gravity rush on the playstation was was one of the games that of recent memory was most egregious because they the gravity rush too they didn't leave the online services up for for more than a year right and they were quite integral to the gameplay in that title so it was kind of strange that they 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 put that game up didn't even give it 12 months and then took them offline uh and then just and then put the game onto uh playstation plus it was a really weird situation uh, i don't know if they've pulled the online stuff back online now since it came to the playstation plus service but it sucks that that's something that can happen and does happen quite frequently. Online titles, you kind of under, you kind of understand it and expect it, but when it's a single player title like Assassin's Creed, I think I don't expect it. Like I expect, say, the original Halo servers to be offline, but I can play those games in the Master Chief collection if I want to. But that's the thing; you can still play this game, right? And like, I guess that's like the thing is like I really there really isn't much controversy here i think it just like sets off you, that you can question. but like when when the question was asked right right we didn't know that this yes. had been you turned and 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 i think that's and that's the thing right but like the point i was driving towards is that like even if you buy a physical copy of the game right like remove the day one patch all that stuff right like you're you're fundamentally buying a broken copy of the game that's for sure um or an unfinished copy at the very least but also like how many games actually let you just play the content off the disc anymore, right? Even if the content is on the disc, right? Like, you still have to plug your PlayStation into the internet and download an entire, you know, download the entire game and whatever other assets it needs to get going. And then, mm-hmm. like, that's, like, effectively, you buying a physical disc now is you buying a key with a box. That's what you're doing. And, like... I think that people sometimes uh, there are there are exceptions to that rule, like especially um, on Switch and on Hori- Switch, it's Horizon. Not like that. Well, the, the, some of them do require digital downloads as well, don't they? Like they have that big banner on the front. I remember buying like sure. Alien Noir, for example, that required a digital download, and Bayonetta two. And I know they're doing a, a physical copy of Bayonetta one, but that came with a download code for Bayonetta one if you wanted to play that. Um, 
But some of them do have a lot of content on the disc, like Horizon, Forbidden West did on the PlayStation 5 version, have the PlayStation 5 version on that disc, and you could install it, and it would download a small patch. I bought the PS4 version, and because it was the upgrade system, I had like a 60 gigabyte download that I had to download right, in order yeah. to play that game, and it took a very, very long time in order to do it. But, the, you know, the only recourse I can think of is... is Buying the with buying these games is buy them from somewhere that doesn't have DRM if you can. Like GOG.com obviously famously doesn't put DRM on any of the titles that they sell. They have some Assassin's Creed titles for sale over there. And I think if you if you can buy it from there, you can store that EXE file, you can store that download, and it's yours forever. You can put it on a hard drive, you can archive it away, and you never have to worry about it not being playable again. The only other solution, really, on PC is to pirate those titles. But on console, you really have no recourse whatsoever. There's nothing you can do if they decide to take that title offline. You can't play it. You can't install that through a, a different means or a different method. You really only have the official routes that you can go on, on Xbox and PlayStation and on Switch. And uh, and it sucks. Like these are titles that people spend a lot of money for. And now you know the precedent is being set that these are seventy dollar games. In like what ten years time, we're not going to be able to play it because that's how that's how old Assassin's Creed Liberation is. It's less than ten years old, and you just you know if if this had gone through, you just wouldn't have been able to play that title. At least not that way, right? Because we did. There is the you had the HD version of it that you could. Yeah, but you've got to buy it again. Then at that point, it's like right. so. I've got to buy the game again in order to, to play it, and and that sucks as well. People feel like oh, I've already paid for this. Why should I pay for the title again? Especially if you bought it full price at launch. Yep, and I mean, you know, it it speaks to like, just like that's 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 what you do when you pay for digital access, though, right? Like it's the same thing with streaming, right? Like. You know, you don't own anything. Like you pay for access, right? Not streaming. I think is is a it seems less to me. Like Game Pass, for example, I'm paying fifteen pounds a month or whatever it costs, and I and I don't expect that I own those titles. I'm renting it. It's like I'm renting a movie from from Blockbuster right, back in totally. the day. I, I'm not going to own it. But when I pay for the title, when I when I pay fifty, sixty, seventy quid for it. I expect to own it and have it for the foreseeable future, if not mm-hmm. for the for the rest of my life. You know, I want to be able, able to access that title. And and I think this was just a, a fuck up on Ubisoft's part that they decided that they they decided not to tell the customer during the summer sale or a week before they took the game, removed it from sale on Steam. And they decided, and like the the wording, whether that was a mis, like miscommunication between them and and Steam, or whether that was what th- they requested and they yeah. U-turned on it, and we don't know moving forwards. But either way, you know, they we got this this drama around it when it when it possibly wasn't even necessary. They could have just said, "You're not going to be able to access the DLC or online services, and those online services are possibly minor because we can't even find out what they are." Yeah, right. So, that, so I, you know, I think ultimately there's not really any major loss here, right? But it, it does, I think, illuminate um, a thing that a lot of, like, the, this is what the physical crowd is, is afraid of, right? But I think ultimately, unfortunately, um, physical games are, a, are going the way of the dinosaur. They are a thing of the past. They are a relic. Um, and I think that the fact that they still exist this generation is appeasement 
I do not think they will still exist next generation. I really don't. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think the PlayStation 6 and whatever the the successor is to the Xbox series um I don't I don't think either of them have disk drives. I just don't. Nintendo no, might I, I, be the holdout. I, I think so. Yeah. Um I think I think a portable console could be the holdout just due to licensing and like how do you check that people have ownership of that console? Like the Steam Deck, I don't know if you've had it where because I share a Steam account with my partner and they they sometimes want to play games on the PC and it will boot whoever is playing first, it will boot you off if someone else launches it from a different machine. Right. And like I don't know how you solve that problem without like having physical copies i guess nintendo's maybe solved it with like the the downloading of the licenses but when you're checking against the subscription service you know it it wants to go and check that you have access to that you have to be online anyway how do you do that Uh, yeah well you do to i think it check it needs to check in once a week uh for like the switch online snes and nes and now n64 titles but if if that's going to be the future which seemingly it is because xbox and playstation have gone down that route We've seen Nintendo doing it with the uh, expansion pack. A solution needs to be made. And, you know, it, internet at the moment, I think in a lot of places, just still is not fast enough for people to enjoy no. streaming in, in any meaningful way. And downloads take a very, very so, long yeah, time. Like, like, I forget really about struggled. streaming, let alone, like, downloads, let alone. If you live in, like, you know, like, I mean, you even have trouble with it. But, like, yeah, if you live in, like, rural, the rural uh, part of, of of the United States... Or, or even, like, shit, like, I have buddies that live in New York City that have terrible internet because the internet infrastructure in both rural places and super dense places are shit in a lot of countries and parts of countries, you know? Like, I have wonderful internet, but, like, if I lived in a different neighborhood in Philly, I might not. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 terrible. Um, and and you know, I I was uh, very staunch, like oh, I always buy physical. But Game Pass has really kind of changed that for me. And the same with the Steam Deck, the convenience of digital, and when digital is cheaper, it makes a lot of sense. Well, the problem we have here in in the UK, and I think the mo- the rest of Europe, digital is usually more expensive on console. You're paying full price. You're paying like $70 or 80 euros for a title when you can go on Amazon or you can go to another retailer and you'll get it for like 50 or 60. And those are such massive savings that it's hard to turn down uh, a physical version, even if it's less convenient for you, even if it is just a key on a disc and the fact that you can resell that game if you wanted to. If you you finish the game and you want to resell it, no, I, I, I very rarely resell games, but I mean, you know I mean, I got rid of a bunch of like old um, PS3 titles because I wasn't I wasn't playing them, like a load of old Call of Duty games or whatever. I got such a little amount for it, but it, you know, it helps to go towards uh, another game that I necessarily I might not have um, might not have bought otherwise. But yeah, I, I don't know I don't know what the solution is is for this. I don't think there is one. I think we just kind of have to accept that sometimes we're we're kind of being held. Uh, over a barrel by the by the publishers and it's just that they're it's their decision at the end of the day yep that's yeah and we had we had a similar thing right with um remember when the gta remasters came out 
and they delisted the old versions of the games that were actually decent, and mm-hmm. you can install mods to make them look better. Yep. And they had to U-turn on that and bring them back because the the remasters were such a monumental disaster um, that people were were crying out for the originals to come back. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I said this in not so many words about a similar situation on Nintendo Noise this week, but I think ultimately, right, like when it comes to this kind of thing, um, if you paid for something and uh, a, one of these publishers is going to try and like take it away from you or make it so that you can't play it in the format that you want to or that you paid for, then, well, that's why piracy exists. And I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but that's why people pirate software, right? Like, if I wanted to go and play uh, Vice City right now, I would go download it on my Steam Deck, not get the remaster, because the remaster is garbage, right? And, like... It's like, you know, people don't want to deal with that. They don't want a, a a worse revised version of a classic game. They want the classic game, you know, and like or a good revised version of it, right? And Yeah, like Diablo 2 was a phenomenal remake, Great example. I was very very happy yeah. with that. And and ultimately I think like if you know, like if they're not creating a compelling product, um the market will solve that, right? Like gamers and the the community um that exists out there to preserve and, uh, you know, share games that are historic. Um, you know, it's, it's thriving. So, you know, I think ultimately like right now that is unfortunately your best bet in a lot of cases in terms of like trying to get something that's authentic and, and everything. Cause like the, the shitty thing is right. That like, even if you are someone who's like, I, own a CRT, I own retro consoles, I own cartridges and discs in it. Well, guess what? That's all going to d- break down and rot anyway, right? Like, nothing is forever. Um, so, like, when it comes to the preservation of video games, like, a huge part of that, because, frankly, the publishers don't care, right? Like, it falls on us. It falls on the community. It falls on the fans um, to preserve that art and make sure that it's there uh, for you know, for us when we want to go back to it, but for future generations as well, for, you know, for research and um, historical context and, you know, for the sociological value of of this these, you know, these games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's all bad, really. You know, like, you, you keep buying physical if you want, but, like, I that that uh, th- that is a ticking clock, in my opinion. Yeah, and you can see that with like niche publishers who are, are are set up to to publish these physical games, and they're doing limited runs. You know, people like limited run games or super rare games. I wonder what happens to them reserve. sooner than later. Because like, if next generation we don't have physical copies anymore, does that whole cottage industry just like disappear? Because like, you yeah, just... yeah. Or do they keep selling collectors' editions with keys and stuff? You know. Yeah, you could do, but like, you know, it's not the same thing. Yeah. And and I feel like publishers do a very good job on that because they realize they can capitalize on on fans in a in a very good way for not on a, a lot more money on their their part for manufacturing these special editions. You know, give people a statue or an art book or whatever, yeah. and they can charge an extra twenty or thirty dollars for it. Well, and like you know, that whole thing is another thing, right? Where it's like the the whole argument of like, oh, like the collector's editions, like don't come with discs anymore, and like that's shitty. And it's also like. It makes sense, though, right? I mean, think about it. What is Sony going to do? Have two different SKUs for the God of War Collector's uh, Edition? What if same, I own a console that doesn't have a disk drive? Yeah, my, Microsoft also have a console without a disk drive now. Yeah. 
So and and I I wonder if they're going to do any special editions for their games moving forward because the majority of their titles obviously launch on Game Pass. Do they you'd do think like that they'd want to special merch instead? I think that would be how you'd make money. Right, because say like I'm a big Halo boy, right, and I'm like, oh, I love Halo, I you know, I love Halo, I love Halo, and Halo's coming to Game Pass for free, and then I'm not buying Halo anymore, right? How do you get my dollar? Hey, you send me, sell me a collector's edition that's got, you know, oh, you got Master, Master Chief's Chief helmet, helmet, and uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a model of a Needler, or oh, it's an art book, it's this, it's that, whatever, right? Like, that's what that's the. The, the but type you don't of... need the game with it. You can just oh. sell them that without a copy of the game, and I think people would be really happy with that. Yeah, and and I, yeah, I, it's kind of weird that we haven't we haven't seen that. Um, and Nintendo started doing like digital versions that they would post you certain bits and pieces physically in the post. Like if you did pre-orders, I think of Super Mario Maker Two, you got a stylus that you could order. You could get in the post if you bought if you pre-ordered the digital version. And then um, Switch Sports, you could order a copy with the uh, the leg strap, and they would send you that. So it's kind of we're, we're starting to see that with the um, additions of physical things that come with digital copies yeah it's interesting i think i think it's definitely something that like is going to just continue in this direction you know because i think by and large like i think i think people have spoken that they do not care about physical media right like markets have spoken obviously there's a big contingency of gamers that still want physical media and to a lesser extent people in other like you know, like people still buy Blu-rays and stuff like that, right? Not a lot anymore, but there is a that I think is slightly different to, um, to to video games. There's a the measurable quality difference. This and the, yeah, in the same way, there's still people that buy vinyl. One is like a collectible. You yeah. like it's nice to have the physical medium. It's like I'm. It's a tactile thing. I'm actually interacting. Book, maybe and, yeah, you know. I'm feeling it a little bit more. And the other is like. I'm getting uh, an additional quality. Like Blu-ray is measurably better. You, especially 4K UHD Blu-rays, is a higher bitrate than you could ever stream on a right. on a standard connection that you would get to your house. And you can you can definitely see the difference. Not to mention, you get special features that we've just lost during the during the streaming era. You don't get like behind the scenes anymore, deleted scenes and things like that. They're they're just all gone. That kind of stuff's so interesting too, though, because I think it 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 speaks to a similar thing where it's like, okay, but who cares about this, right? Not and again, super it's, fans. It's not the no fans one that buying the game, right? Buying the, the movies, exactly. And it's the same kind of dork that buys a collector's edition to flip through an art book, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. most people do not give a shit about that kind of thing, and that's not me dismissing that type of person. You can see my Mass Effect collector's edition on right behind me. Um, I I am that nerd, right? Like I like that stuff. But, like, most people don't give a shit. Most people are not buying DVDs to watch director's commentary, right? They're At least historically, right? They were buying DVDs to watch a movie they liked and to be able to watch a movie they liked whenever they wanted to watch it, right? That's not really as much of a concern anymore, you know? Because, by and large, like, you know where your stuff is. People build digital libraries on, like, Amazon and all that kind of stuff. And you're far more likely to do something like that, you know? Um, and I think like convenience is a huge part of that, right? Where it's like, not only do we all have a finite amount of space in our homes, right? Being taken up by just stuff, right? Like, I mean, I have what two or three 
drawers just filled with old video games that I may never play ever again. Or, like, may not use the discs ever again. Even if I play the games, it'll probably be you know, on an emulator or something or whatever, right? Um, it's like, why am I keeping that stuff? I'm keeping it just to keep it. And that's fine, but at a certain point, right? It's like, if I've been a gamer for five decades, how many fucking video games can I keep in a house before I don't have any space, you know? Let alone movies and TV and books and all this other shit. Like, you hit a point where it's like, Okay, do I need to own every movie I've ever enjoyed on DVD? Like, no. I gave all mine away. I gave all mine to my dad, so they're filling up his house now. Yeah. And he has, like, five decades of video games at his house. Yeah. So. And, it, and like, uh, for a lot of people, they want that, and that they dig that. And, like, I follow, I don't know, probably, like, 100 people between TikTok and Instagram who have cool video game rooms with library shelves of every video game. And it's like, I get it. Like, there's there's an audience for that. But that is not the regular person who's just like, yeah, I want to play Halo. Uh, you know, like, that. that's what they want to do. I want to watch the Avengers, right? Like, they don't need all of this shit, you know? And, and I... I think like the more that publishers can make collectibles for the collectors and the path of least resistance for the folks that just want to play the game and move on, I think that's what they're going to do. And the I think the collectors editions are going to get hopefully higher quality, but like I think just more more and they'll cost more and they'll sell to less people, you know? Yeah, more of a niche thing. And and I think that's fine. Because it's, and it's a way for them to recuperate costs a little bit more. But I, I feel like the streaming services are obviously successful um, to a certain extent. I mean, they're doing well for the the platform holders, but whether the the smaller developers and publishers are getting the same level of value out of it than them, I I don't know yet. I think I think they're inevitable. You know, I think I think as soon as Netflix created the paradigm shift that it created, like I think that the idea of like a streaming based platform for pretty much every medium is is more or less inevitable and i think it's going to be I mean, even prior to like netflix we had spotify before that and it True. was just like great i can just i can listen to anything and just type it in and it plays i don't even need to download mp3s and like try and find a good copy anymore like i did with limewire or, or having a Napster dedicated device like all that kind of you know yeah. like that totally eliminated that industry and like i think I think that's where we're going with video games. I think the only reason we haven't gotten there yet is because the infrastructure doesn't match, isn't ready for mm-hmm. it. And I think that there are large swaths of the consumer base that were not ready for it. But now they are. They're being trained to engage with Game Pass. They're being trained that, oh, Game Pass is, you know, like, I can't tell you. I was just hanging out with, um, like, my some really old, good one of my best friends it's my roommate in college i was hanging out with him and he just got a ps5 and we're talking about playstation 5 and i was like you think you're gonna get an xbox like he's like a big bethesda fan he loves uh the elder scrolls it's like a huge skyrim fan i was like you think you're gonna get an xbox and he's like well i got a gaming pc you know i can play all the bethesda games there if i need to like i don't know that i need an xbox and i was talking to him and i was like well you know like totally get that you're probably right but I know you just got this new TV that you like. I know you've been, like, really trying to make your living room, like, a fun, cool, like, relaxed place for gaming. And you don't want to be on your computer all day because he, like us, is on a computer all day. He works from home. He's got that same kind of, like, I don't want to play PC games anymore now that this is my lifestyle. And with that, I'm like, well, I mean, 
you could do the Xbox the the layaway program i forget what it's called the would you you did it all access uh, the all access layaway I was like, yeah i think layaway program's just a way way better name they should change the xbox well. layaway uh and i was <laughs> like yeah i mean you could do that and you could make like a 20 dollar a month payment and have game pass and get all these games for free and he was just like oh shit he's like that's actually a really good deal and i was like yeah and i and he was talking because i had mentioned i was replaying dragon age um and he is a, also a massive Bioware fan like I am and he's like oh I've really been wanting to replay those lately like I just replayed Mass Effect and like I wanted to do Dragon Age but like I don't you know like I was I don't know like what the best place to play them is right now and I was thinking about doing it on my PC and I was like well if you get an Xbox they have FPS boost and smart delivery mm-hmm. and I was playing it and it's locked at 60 FPS and the cutscenes like look fucking uh, like compressed, but everything else looks like it's brand fucking new, and the loading screens take less, like a fraction of a millisecond, you know. Then he's like, "Oh shit, oh shit," you know. And it's like this is all stuff that, like, as somebody who's not done it right, like, haven't really been trained yet. But like, you hear about it, and you're like, "That's an insanely good deal." Like, why wouldn't I get in on it? Why wouldn't I, you know? And like, now we're evangelists for it. I'm out here telling, I'm tell everybody to buy an Xbox and get Game Pass. Why wouldn't you? You know. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time until everyone else figures it out. And like, I think it's going to be similar to the streaming race, right? Where it's like right now, Game Pass is Netflix in the gen one of streaming services. And they're like the only game in town or the only good game in town. And there's a couple other competitors that are like, eh, whatever, this is fine. It's a lesser version of Netflix. Maybe you get some different stuff on it, but whatever, right? Like Like EA Play and Ubisoft Plus. And even PlayStation, you know, like those, like, you know, PlayStation feels like Hulu when it first launched, where you're like, why would anyone have Hulu? And then like, they figured out what their niche was and it's like, oh, okay, now, now they fit in, right? And that's what's going to happen. Like everybody's going to make their play. A couple of them are going to survive. The ones that don't are going to consolidate and either come together or get in line and join Xbox or join PlayStation and get under somebody else's banner. And and I think it's going to just go like that. And eventually, when it becomes more ubiquitous, your EAs and Ubisofts and whomever else is left that hasn't been bought up by somebody else will probably try to do their own version of it and try to be like, here's our thing and here's how you, you know, whatever, like... I think it's I think it's gonna follow that exact same trajectory. I think it, the only reason it's gonna take longer is because video games are fucking huge, and moving that amount of data through the cloud is harder. And mm-hmm. you know, streaming uh, a game that's a hundred gigabyte game that's trying to run four K assets and everything is like it's a tall order. But like, it's only a well, tall that, order then, for a then, couple like, of years. Latency. Like I'm not like I'm not interacting with a Netflix movie to the point where I need it to feel like super snappy. Right. Like I need that instant instant response. Like I don't mind if I put a Netflix movie on and it buffers for like two, three seconds before the movie plays. Like you get that little loading icon and then it starts to play. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter because I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be like moving the sticks and want to expecting right. like the character on the screen to move. It needs to feel instant. It and needs then, to feel fluid. Like let alone that you have a whole culture in video games around people streaming games and like having to stream games that you are streaming from a plat like that gets messy. Like the- Stadia should have fixed this problem. They had that such a cool idea in in mind and they never fucking implemented the technology for it. It was meant to be that I can stream directly from like Google's 
data centers where they're streaming the game to me. They're also streaming the game to YouTube. That- and like Amazon could do it with like Amazon uh, Luna. Luna. They could yeah. do the exact same thing to Twitch, but they haven't fucking capitalized on that either. It makes no sense to me that they haven't done this yet. Do you remember? Uh, I remember like back in the day when we were doing the podcast. I remember we did an episode about Stadia. And I remember you and Pixel were like, this won't even be around in a year. And I was like, it'll definitely be around for several years, but it'll be dog shit like the whole time. Like, I, like it'll never be good, but it'll just linger around. I can't believe this shit still exists. Who's who's playing games on Stadia? Yeah, it was so. It was such a bad play to to like charge for the service and then also charge for the games. It was like, why? Why would people? It's like, what are you on about? Like, no, <laughs> like that's insane. Why would I do that? Yeah. How would you like to pay twice as much money for an inferior experience? They have very few titles as well. Like, they had Ubisoft games and, like, small indie titles, but very little else. And they like, I'm looking all the through their library now. Like, right? Like, didn't they close yeah. all the studios they started? They they did. And, like, one of the studios now um, is, is now, like, a PlayStation studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jade Raymond's studio. Jade right? Raymond's. Yeah, yeah, she left Stadia, started a new studio. They just got quite like finalized and and it's now part of the playstation family now yeah i mean mm, it's the whole thing right like it's just it's kind of insane because like it it just speaks i think to like how bullish these companies get about like yeah like video games it's there's big money in video games it's like just read jason schreier's book and, and and read about how Disney was like, there's big money in video games, and they're like, ah, oh, but there's all this investment and overhead, and ah, oh, like, managing a studio is a lot of work, and... and you'd think Google would know, though. And, like, yeah, they, they should have. Made... They should have easily they... been able to know that it was not a worthwhile business for them to get into, because they were not going to commit. I think they could have done well if it wasn't just streaming. Like they already had a platform. They had Android. They could have made like an Android box with like a good GPU in it, like Nvidia did with the Nvidia Shield, and sold that. And was just like, here you go. You can play these titles and plug it into your TV, and you buy it, play for like a service that is like Game Pass. Like they could have, they could have, and they had could a have really good platform. They could have tried to still apply the same thing too, though, right? Where it's like when you think about how um, Xbox is cloud stuff works right where it's like oh like you you know you own your xbox and that's the best way to play the games or whatever but you can stream them to your phone or your tablet or whatever like if they had just done that and been like the 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 business model is we sell you this little set top box that you can play the games off of but you can also stream your library anywhere that you can access google chrome right is like oh that would actually yeah like that's cool but like no they you know it's obviously nowhere close to that um but you know, I think the next 10 years, right, like that's that's the thing we're going to be talking about is the streaming wars and who's winning and who's investing properly and who's amassing enough IP to compete when, you know, it, it all it becomes is you selling access to your library, right, versus this whole a la carte model that we've become accustomed to. I don't think that that's necessarily going anywhere, but like I think more and more it's going to be about how many video game streaming services 
you are subscribed to in the same way it is. Yeah, which is what's happening with like the TV space, you know, Paramount yeah. Plus, HBO Max, Disney Plus, all same new thing. players in the industry. And like you're going to see Ubisoft games disappear. But we've already kind of seen that anyway. Like EA games didn't come to Game Pass. They're like part of Game Pass Ultimate because Microsoft has that deal. But EA players are separate services, a separate library the the same the same like the same setups over on the PlayStation side Ubisoft Plus is like a separate library that you get like a like a limited collection as part of your subscription to to PlayStation Plus but it's so strange that Stadia didn't succeed like they 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 like brought talent in from Sony like Phil Harrison was there to like lead it all up he was like a chief exec over at Sony Sony Europe like makes no sense that it didn't succeed they could have they could have had like a winning strategy and they just squandered it 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 drives me nuts because it really like reminds me so much of what i a lot of the stuff i've dealt with in my professional career where it's like you have these companies that invest so much money into this like half-baked idea that like could be a good idea but would require way more investment than they actually want to invest so they're like oh yeah we'll piss a bunch of money away on this publicly <laughs> embarrass ourselves and then and then just backpedal right away and be like no 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 we're not going to do this anymore it's just like why did you ever even bother you know it would have been so easy to to realize that this was too much of too much effort for the reward. So fuck it, right? Like both Google and Amazon absolutely should have come to that conclusion. And the fact that neither of them did and they both barreled forward and were like, "Yeah, whatever, here's our platform." It's like it's it's colossally stupid. It's it's insane how uh how how much how set up for success they were and they're just like, "Eh, whatever." And Amazon could have been so good if they like tapped into the Twitch side and called They it already Twitch have such streaming. a big right? Like they already own such a big portion of gaming. Like, oh it's so it's so and it's like I'm glad because fuck both of those companies. I don't want them in gaming. But like it's so like how did you how did you fuck this up so bad? How did you bungle this opportunity? Um, when you just had you had all the pieces on the board that you needed, you had the resources, you, know you have the brand strength, you hired people that knew what they were doing, and then you pulled the rug out from under them, and it's like, oh, whatever, okay, mm-hmm. whatever. You, you know, you know what? I haven't tried Luna. It really looks quite compelling. Like you, it, there is a thing you can broadcast directly to Twitch from Luna, and you like set your smartphone up as the microphone and camera, and it will like directly stream yeah. for you. Really fucking cool. Maybe it gets good eventually, but the fact that like Ubisoft Plus alone is eighteen dollars a month, and then Luna Plus is ten dollars a month, and then you also have to pay for like a retro channel, which is five dollars a month, and Jackbox is five dollars a month. It gets very fucking expensive. It's a bad deal. Anyway, uh, my money's on Microsoft <laughs> to t- to take Mine the crown too. here. Um, they've been playing. Just the longest game imaginable, and I think it's it's it like you can see you can see those dominoes, right? To me, to put a pin on this conversation, I feel like everybody else is still putting all their dominoes in a row, and Xbox has an insanely intricate pattern that's taking up an entire basement floor, <laughs> and they're just like one oh. day they're gonna push it over, and it's gonna be just a picture of Master Chief. Yeah, and like Phil is <laughs> Phil is just sitting there with his finger 
next to the first one, just like we're, we're like he's touching it already, right? We're right on the precipice. We're right on the precipice of that, and they're like, hey, we're just quietly amassing a war chest, quietly uh, indoctrinating people to this system. And they just a, need a handheld player now, and I think they're they're done. They already have one. It's just not done yet. Yeah, it's the not thing great, is, though. like, but yeah, but like, how long until it is? Right? Like, say in the next five years, they nail it. And you and any Android phone or Android tablet works as an Xbox handheld, right? Or they partner with a Steam Deck or like uh, an Nvidia or some other third party to be like, here's an Xbox branded Android based console that exists to use, whatever, right? Like, I I bet you that's coming at some. They already did the TV thing. Like I th- yeah, they did a TV thing with Samsung, and they they were talking about that little puck that they openly uh, like have acknowledged it existed, and they go back to the drawing board to to yeah ta- retable it and think about how how it would work. Like imagine better, so. imagine that as a mobile solution where it's it's not a handheld, but it's like oh I'm going on vacation, I better bring my Xbox dongle, and you just bring the dongle and the controller, and you plug it into any TV that has an HDMI yeah, that's, port. That was Stadia. It was like the Chromecast and the controller. And I yeah, but they're gonna do it, but good anywhere. <laughs> it's yeah. it's like yeah, okay, yeah, like that makes a ton of fucking sense. I would much rather bring a dongle and a controller than my whole Xbox. Right? I hate lugging that thing around. It's huge. I just tweeted yesterday. That's why you, you need two more. <laughs> I know. I, was say, I just tweeted yesterday. I'm like, I've been thinking regularly about, well, I could buy two Xbox Series S's for the price of an Xbox Series X and put one in my bedroom and one in my office and have an Xbox on every floor and I'll never have to move my Xbox again. Is that an insane thing to do? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I might do it. Especially if- considering you have a gaming PC sat in front of you that can play all of those titles. That you could, to stream them, you could just download them on your PC. Yeah, and like I could, but like that's not, that's like not a great thing to do, right? Like, cause like my, my computer is, is strong, but like if I was trying to run like Halo Infinite, right? And stream it at the same time, mm-hmm. that's pretty taxing, you know? And it's like you're, you're beating down your, it's like, it's I could run emulators on my computer, but it's easier to do it off Steam Deck and just plug it in and like let one device do the heavy lifting of the computer and le- let the other device just you know do the broadcast. Um, or I'm sorry, of the the console doing the computing is what I meant to say. Um, I'd love to try streaming from a Steam Deck at some point. Just install OBS and and like give that and I give that a proper try just as an experiment to see how it work. Oh no, I've seen people do it. It works. It does work. It just depends on what game you're playing. Hmm. But say you're say you're just like emulating a PS2. Yeah. No no problem. You can you'll be able to stream that. Okay. But anyway, point being I I I like the idea of that level of convenience. So we'll see. I like if Xbox comes out with that dongle and it's like any good, like I'd be a prime customer for that thing. You have a Samsung TV, don't you? But it's it's only on the new TVs. Oh, like, is it? Oh, okay. yeah. Any of the the old like it's literally every Samsung from now on has this. But if you have an older oh. one, yeah, you can't update it. So, which sucks because if I could, that would be that would be perfect. That's literally what I would do. I would just go install it upstairs and whatever, right? Like. Wouldn't solve my problem down here, but that would be fine. I'd much rather buy one Xbox Series S than two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. I do think I'll end up getting one at some point, honestly. Which I know I'm. I'm a. I'm a fucker, but whatever. 
<laughs> Tamara Wolf was was uh, replied and was just like, "Or you buy three Xboxes and give give one to your good friend Sierra." And I was just like, "I'm about to just." I think you, I think you should buy one for everyone. I know. I'm you just know. gonna be Oprah. I'm gonna just buy a bunch of Xbox Series S's and just be like, "You get an Xbox. You get an Xbox. You get an Xbox." <laughs> You know, the all-access thing actually would, would work really well for you, considering you're paying for Game Pass anyway. Although, I think you stacked it, right? Didn't you get it on cheap? Yes, my subscription, like, the stack ends going into 2023, though. When the stack ends... I might do it then. <laughs> that's, yeah. not, that's not a bad idea, yeah, for, like, be like $5 more a month. Mm-hmm. That's something to think about. But anyway, uh, before we get too much longer in the teeth here, this was just supposed to be the icebreaker, and it's been a whole hour-long conversation. <laughs> it's so that's... start screen, not icebreaker. Yeah, sorry, the start screen. Uh, so let's let's jump into our uh, talking point for this week, which is, of course, uh, the new skate uh, developments here, right? So there was a video that uh, got posted onto the skate YouTube channel uh, called The Boardroom. Um, which was just like a, a conversation with the developers uh, over at Full Circle, um, where they they gave us a bunch of information about Skate. The I'm gonna call it the artist formerly known as Skate Four. Okay, um, from now on I will just call it Skate because that is what the game is called. So it is. We're skewing the number. It's called Skate. It's gonna be a free to play game. It's live service. It's coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. There will be both cross-play and cross-progression. And obviously, it being a free-to-play game, the monetization system is going to be totally based around microtransactions. They said that the focus will be on cosmetics and convenience, and uh, that the game is still very early in dev with pre-pre-pre-alpha footage being shown off, which I will uh, pull up in just a second here for everybody. Um... They did talk as well about like how they were like very like sure that like they don't want it to be predatory, they don't want it to be pay to win, that it's not going to be, yeah. you know, um no pay to win, no maps behind a paywall, no loot boxes, no paid advantages whatsoever. They did say there were some like convenience features. Right. I don't know what they are, they haven't gone into those, but um uh, th- th- that might be like quick to level up or something. I right. don't know. Right. Um, so yeah, so it, it, it's interesting, right? Like it's, it definitely sounds like different than I think what most folks would have expected. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it definitely raised a lot of concerns for people. Um, oh shoot, I did it again. Oh yeah, the, the internet was, was, uh, not very happy about it. Every comment on the video is is pretty much negative. I can imagine their like dislike ratio is is insane, but you obviously can't see dislikes anymore on YouTube. Um, but everyone is is very upset by the fact that this is has been announced as a live service game. There's no talk of like a single player offline mode. It's all seemingly free to play live service, as if it's something like a, a Fortnite. Right. And, you know, I, I've been very interested to talk about this because I, I think it's a pretty, this is driving me crazy. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm trying to fix the, uh, the window over here and it's, it's giving me a little bit of trouble. Um, I, it's interesting because I think, you know, I totally understand the trepidation, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm certainly not, um, sitting here saying that there's no reason to be concerned. And like, if I, if I was a diehard skate fan, um, you know, I, I definitely could see 
that trepidation. I think the thing that I find very interesting and that like I keep coming back to is um, was summed up pretty well in a tweet from uh, Imran Khan where he basically said, I don't know how to tell you this, but like most of you would not buy a $70 skate game, right? And I think that there there's an argument to be made there, right? That like, I think there is value in publishers trying to figure out new ways to monetize triple a games that are in niche genres or that are that are an inherently more niche product right where like you know a game like battlefield right has the potential to hit a really huge mass audience to be like a really really huge entertainment product and to be like very very mainstream whereas like skate doesn't have that right and like you know we talked about um, like the mirror's edge news and all that stuff and it's like what happens to games like that and it's like well the reality is that like they don't they don't really get made um, if if they can't be viable right like if the game is expensive to produce but it's not going to return on that investment then the franchise dies right we never get escape four and we certainly don't get escape five um, so the idea of them trying to be like, okay, how do we take this game and create something that is still, you know, gameplay wise, the, uh, the experience that fans have come to expect, but also that, you know, can exist in a way that is, you know, uh, financially viable in the modern era, right? Like, because there probably isn't a, a huge, huge community of folks that are ready to spend $70 on on Skate. But, like, I bet you a lot, like, millions of people will probably jump into it and try it if it's free. And if they yeah, like absolutely. it, they'll invest, right? And you've seen it work for a lot of games, right? Like, it, it's a viable model. And it doesn't have to be... Uh, at the expense of the game being good, which is, I think, the other thing that, like, when you think of this, right, like, you think, oh, it's going to be cash grabby, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, and I think part of that is because it's EA, and they have that reputation, right, but, you know, I don't I don't think it's inherently something that is going to have to make, make this game bad, and I think if it works, it could be... I mean, it could be, it could be representative of a paradigm shift in, in single-player or quote-unquote single-player triple-A uh, games, right? Where it's like... I don't think they've said that this is single-player at all. They've they, they're not not once said that, and I and I don't think it is. Looking at all the footage, there's tons of people on the screen at all times. There's always multiple multiple um, models. I presume each one's represented by, a, by another player. Uh, and I think this is a free-roam online multiplayer experience. And... And I I could see it working so well. Like, yeah, you have the experience of roaming around. Maybe there's a story mode that you can go along with in, like, fixed sessions with, you know, the the Destiny style where there is a story, but I can and I can play them with other people. Or I can play it solo if I want to. But if I want to dress up as, like, a, a hot dog or, you know, someone from, like, another EA property or Darth Vader, if they partner up with, with Disney, like, Epic... Uh, always does with Fortnite. I've got to pay for those outfits, and people will pay for them, and people will put, pay for emotes, and there will probably be like a battle pass style system where I, 
I subscribe monthly or whatever and I am able to to level up and do additional things and I hope there's like a creative mode and I hope that it is popular enough as a free-to-play tile that they continue to invest in it for the foreseeable future because I think that's what people want you know yes skate games are popular and we saw that with the Tony Hawk remasters but they're not popular enough for these publishers to invest heavily in them and and yeah, it can be popular, but it's it's got to be ridiculously popular, ridiculously uh, lucrative for them in order to be able to um, invest in the titles or or see that it's worthy of investing in the in the title. Right, <clears throat> and you know, I think like as much hand wringing as as anybody wants to like toss at like an EA or any other publisher, right? Like. They're, that's legitimate, right? Like, <laughs> they're a business and, like, the, they make games to make money, you know? And, like, they need to um, focus their efforts, their finite amount of resources on things that are going to make a return for them, right? And, like, that's why you're not going to see another Mirror's Edge because they gave it another shot and it, it didn't deliver, right? And, like, this I game... I feel like something like that would be great to come from uh, an indie studio and they publish it under the EA Originals title. That That's the kind of thing that I could see happening. But, but they're not going to have one of their their key studios, like DICE, make a Mirror's Edge game. Unless they really wanted to. Well, and, like, there is the whole, like, you know, like, when you're when you're talking about Skate, right? It's like... Well, you know, is this a franchise that you want to get one game that comes out and is critically well-received, but, you know, doesn't sell enough and then you just never get another one? Or, like, do we try this experiment and try to figure out how do you make Skate a game that never goes away, right? How do you make it equivalent to, like, a... a, I want the Disney skate adventure. <laughs> Maybe someday. Um, but you know what I mean? Like trying to replicate the success of a Fortnite or a Fall Guys or a, a Rocket League or something like that where it's like, you know, skate is the ubiquitous skateboarding experience right now. And that like it's a game that everybody plays and, you know, everybody's aware of and it gets new content every month or every quarter or whatever and like there's always a reason for you to go back right because you're like oh yeah I played skate at launch and I took a couple months off and oh they've released four maps since then like better oh, go back and, and try those new modes like I can see so many different new modes coming to this like yeah we have a free roam mode or like a battle royale mode or whatever but I, I can absolutely see them just adding like goofy stuff oh, in there and just Steve. having a good time I love the idea of a high score battle royale in skate where it's just you drop, you know, that's got to be the however many players, right? It's like 25 and it's like, all right, start doing combos. And it's like every, you know, 30 seconds, every minute, the lowest, this player with the lowest score gets eliminated. The the, like rings closing in on you and you've got to like skate over to a specific area. Shit, I wasn't even thinking about that, but that would work too, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, like parts of the map are getting closed off, so you have less options for getting more points, and you know everybody's on top of each other and like stuff like that. Yeah, that could be cool. Um, I I think it has a lot of potential. Like, don't get me wrong, I get I get people's trepidation, but I think between the fact that I do agree, 
uh, with what Imran said, where I just don't think a $70 boxed skate game has the cachet that I think people think it has. Um, I also think that, like, the idea of games like this becoming platforms that get constant support rather than being oh, this came out, and it had a moment, and then now it's going to go away, and now we have to wait another six years for them to make Skate 5. Like, for the fans of Skate, right? Like, or or just skateboarding games in general, right? The idea of having something that's always around and always a thing that's worth dipping in for, like, a couple weeks, a month, or, or whatever, right? Like, whenever there's new content, um, that's really appealing, like, and that's really cool, and... I, I'm, I'm excited by the promise of it, you know? I don't know that it's going to deliver, but I could see it being something that... Revolutionary is probably a dramatic word, but, like, it could be something that represents, like, a new way to do it, you know? And, like, hey, like, here's a way to make this the genre that a lot of people like, but is never going to be as popular as first-person shooters, right? Like, and how do we make it have a longer tail or have more legs, you know, and have it stick around and have have that stickiness that we associate with you know games like fall guys or whatever um that could be really good you know and and i also am willing i think to give a little bit of rope to ea right now because i feel like ea you know we've talked a lot about it it feels like they're trying to change their image it feels like they're trying to move in a direction where single player and more traditional games are like a bigger part of their portfolio and this isn't that but yeah but she's a 10 and she only plays single player games yes that's true <laughs> but you know what i mean like it's like i don't know i feel like if if there was ever a time for this to work it feels like it's right now so i'm willing to reserve judgment um, as somebody who doesn't have that level of emotional attachment to skate, I totally recognize that like that's probably not what skate fans want to hear, and I respect that. Um, I'm trying to yeah, come at it with I, cautious optimism. You know, sometimes I feel like fans don't know what they actually want. They they like I've gone back and I've played those older skate games, and some of them feel antiquated. I want them to move on. I want the next step. I want to see what developers uh, can experiment and evolutionize with. And I feel like if, if, if we only got the games we were asking, we'd all be playing the same game over and over again. It, you know, we wouldn't have got a Breath of the Wild. We'd have got another traditional linear Zelda Ocarina game. of Time, but on Switch. On. Yeah, because that's all we got since Ocarina of Time. Every single game followed the same format, and it was getting stale. And yet that's what fans were asking for over and over again. And Breath of the Wild comes out, and it's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. It's really nice, to, and I feel like that's what the new skate could be. And it, and it's also it opened a question to me when we saw Forza Motorsport, that reboot of the name, just Forza Motorsport, and this is just skate. Like, what if Forza Motorsport is just a live service game as well? And we we don't know that yet. Like, I could really it see that be. being super successful as a as a live service game where we stop getting like Forza Motorsport one, two, three. It's just Motorsport, and they're just constantly updating that over and over again. And we're getting like new cars added, new new maps, new courses, new whatever added to the game. I feel like you look at what IO Interactive has done with Hitman, and I oh, think. Yeah. I think three new three new levels coming. I I think free. I think that draws a really good uh, blueprint 
for like what a game like this could look like. Like what if that's what that's like think of skate more like that than like Fortnite maybe, right? Of like yeah, like hey, you bought skate in 2023 and like in 2024 there's a huge update and you add a bunch more courses for free and like oh there's new cosmetic and season two started right and like here's a bunch of legacy skate maps that we brought back for for the new skate or and here's three new ones right or like oh we're doing this uh crossover with you know jedi um i forget what the sequel to fallen order is called but like that's coming out. Say Fallout, yeah. So you can so now Cal is a character in Skate this month, and you can get him this month only, like that kind of stuff. I I feel like that you can see how that would work. You can see how that that could be a fun, cool thing. And I think as long as the as long as there's enough content at launch, as long as they have a steady roadmap for how they're going to support the game post launch, and that the microtransactions aren't egregious, and that they are focused on cosmetics or like you know uh shortcuts that don't impact like that aren't pay to win right like if it is like uh oh you know you you if you reach level 50 or whatever you unlock like a new game mode and you can pay five bucks to just jump to that right or whatever right like stuff like that that's fine. I really don't think that's a problem, you know. And like, you can look at so no, many or even other if it's games like that do it. You, do you it well. unlock, like, if you unlock like a specific skateboard or like a different playable character or whatever. Like, I think those kind of shortcuts would be fine. Or like the kind of thing that they added into Assassin's Creed, which is like you pay and for like a certain period of time you get like double XP as you play. Like, yes, maybe that is somewhat pay to win, but I don't think it is really. It's just leveling up so you can unlock more things because. Do, do levels really matter in these games? If you're good at the game, you're good at the game. Right. Like, it's like you think about like Tony Hawk, right? And like in Tony Hawk, whenever you create a create a skater, like they have low stats to start and you have to complete challenges. And that's part of the game is like leveling up your character and then like your balance is better and yada, yada, yada. But it's like in any like serious competitive capacity, everybody's using a character with maxed out stats, right? So, like, the idea of you being, like, it's like World of Warcraft, right? Where, like, they would do that shit where it's like, oh, if you come back for this expansion, we'll give you a max level character so you can get right into raiding. That doesn't make you good at raiding. That doesn't make you good at skate just because you have a character with max stats, right? Like, it's, it's not... It's not pay to win inherently. It's, it's like, it's just, oh, okay, like, cool. Like, I skipped this, like, bullshit investment that I didn't feel like making time-wise, you know? And, like that's always going to rub people the wrong way, but I don't, I personally don't care about that kind of thing. You know, I don't, I don't really give a shit if somebody wants to pay to double their EXP in Assassin's Creed, you know, like who cares? Um, Mm -hmm. Unless it's like a thing where you're getting a real competitive edge in competitions, then like, you know, I don't, I don't see that as being a problem. Um, No, I don't. And like that, you can do that thing. You can do that in Splatoon. If you go and play uh, Salmon Run, the Grizzco thing, you get like tokens. You can go buy them at the the like uh, crab shack place, and you can get stuff like level boost or to get specific, um, like a chance of getting specific merch and things like that. Like it will give you double the XP or double the coins that you can then spend in the shop to go and buy additional like um, outfits and stuff. So there you go, right? And I think like just having a system that works that way, but also includes you know, real-life currency as well as in-game currency. 
I mean, it, it works for plenty of games. It works for League of Legends. It works for, you know, um, whatever, right? Like, take your pick. Um, so I, I think I think that's okay. Um, so I, I am very cautiously optimistic about this. You know, I, I if it comes out and it's a cash grab and it's this and it's that, like, will we be surprised? No, right? That's where the trepidation came from. But I, I think it has a real opportunity to do something unique and special and that, you know, potentially... Uh, shows us that there's a new way to monetize this type of game, you know, not even just skateboarding games, but like non-traditional AAA games like this. Um, and I, I think that's good. You know, I really do. Um, I think that's something that will only be better for the industry, especially as, you know, now that games cost $70, um, I think there is trepidation for people to take risks on games that are something that they might not buy or that like they'll wait for a sale or whatever, right? And like finding a way to kind of like sidestep that for stuff that maybe doesn't have the same level of like marquee uh, name recognition as like a Call of Duty or, or you know a God of War or an Elden Ring or something like that. Or, or a Battlefield because that went really well for them. Sure. Um, I, I think that that is... That is something that I think will probably end up proving a good thing for us as players and consumers if they can find more ways to monetize different kinds of games. It'll just mean more variety for us, and it'll hopefully make publishers feel less risk-averse to be like, oh, okay, like there are other models that we can attempt with some of our IP that's been laying dormant, right, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a traditional $70 boxed uh, experience isn't the best way to sell every kind of game, right? Um, and I think no, we're, and I, I, think I we're like that, that we've seen more experimentation with that. Like Sony experimented with the slightly cheaper, shorter titles, and I love them. Like one, they're shorter. I don't feel like I've got to invest such a huge amount of time in to enjoy the story. And two, they're cheaper. Like they're more accessible to people. You can just jump in and you can pick them up for like twenty dollars less than you would for a full price title. But they still feel like and they have the quality of of a of absolutely a triple A executed game. You know, and yeah, and Nintendo's done the same thing with some of their titles, even in America recently. Like some of them have have been cheaper. Like um, Switch Sports, for example, was a cheaper mainline title and and i actually think this won't be trash i think this will be really good i i feel like people still remember ea as having like that bad image back when it was during the period of time where they were like trashing single player games every game needs to have a multiplayer mode every Every game needs a multiplayer you know whatever yeah and it's they've changed and these this is the this is the publisher that gave us Apex Legends and and it's just like universally liked. Jedi Fallen Order. People, yeah, but like in terms of a live service game, I don't think anyone thinks that the Apex Legends is like a cash grab or it's it's bad to play or there is pay to win elements in. So I have a lot of faith in them in getting this title right. And um, I, I think fans will, will enjoy it and appreciate it. And I'll, I'll say this like I say it every time we talk about I have a lot of faith in Vince Zampella, <laughs> formerly of Respawn, because I, I genuinely believe he is a guy that gets it. And he's a developer. He gives a shit about video games in a way that suits that exist to make money don't. Right. And like. And not, not unilaterally. Right. I've, every once in a while you get a good one like Reggie. But. By and large, right? Like more developers in in business roles. <laughs> it's it that's you know, you know, look no further than Awana, and, right? Like, 
And you know, we had this week the the Unity CEO, right? He was formerly the EA CEO, saying that you know developers that, that don't. don't focus on microtransactions are the biggest fucking idiots in the industry, and it's just like. Yeah. He was the he was one of the reasons EA was like this. Yep. And you know, and now look at the backlash that Unity had and, this week. And, uh, Mass layoffs and then and then buying that um uh that iron source merge like or merging with them to focus on microtransactions and ads within games. What the hell I can't remember the name of their CEO. The the former CEO, because he was like that too. He was like a real Trip Hawkins, is I think I am thinking of Trip Hawkins, and not 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 that Andrew Wilson is like a ton better, but oh, I can't remember. Like it was it was Trip, and then it was John Riccatello, right? And then Andrew Wilson took over. Well, we had Don Matrick there for a while as well, and then he went over to uh, Microsoft, and then went to Zynga. Like Don Matrick came from EA to right. launch the Xbox One. <laughs> Right, that right, that right. went really great. Point being, there there's been a, a a string of bad leadership there, and you know it is what it is. Um, but I feel like post the acquisition of Respawn and the um, you know installation of Vince Ampella on the board of directors, as well as him bringing in new people, um, I feel like the tides are changing at EA. I really do, and hopefully. This will be one of the examples we point to when we're like, hey, EA is turning it around, right? Mass Effect Trilogy was great. Skate comes out. Hopefully it nails. Hopefully Mass Effect 4 and Dragon Age 4 are both great. We get the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, and that's great. Like, I, I feel like they've got a couple projects lined up that if they all hit the way that we hope that they will, I feel like the, the narrative around EA is going to change in a big way. And if it doesn't, you know what? that'll be bullshit, honestly. It'll be on gamers for not getting over it because it seems like they're here to try and prove that they're not this big evil company that we think they are. And I hope so because they have some IP I really love and they have some really talented studios there and I'd love to see them. And we got Dead Space coming around the corner. I forgot about that. Like, if these all hit and they're good and, you know... um, they're making the right moves like hopefully hopefully that'll make people feel a little bit more confident that when they do announce something like this to be like okay well let's give them the benefit of the doubt right like let's see how it turns out not immediately coming at it with like trepidation that has been earned because they've done this shit before you know and like yeah we all know how many great studios they've axed and how many ip they've killed and you know like it happens but um it does feel like they're in a new era and I want to hope for the best. Prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm quietly optimistic about it. I think, um, but like, I think this is a way, ways out. This is years, years down the line. Pre, the pre, pre, pre alpha footage. Yeah, sounds like yeah. we're a long ways away from skate. So, hopefully, that is a good thing too. Take the time, you know, because we know that's been a problem at EA too sometimes is I wouldn't blame EA right but mismanagement of projects and stuff getting kind of rushed out the door at the end um 
sometimes I would blame EA. There are definitely a couple games you can point to and be like, you pushed this out too early. But there's a couple others where do a little bit of reading and it's like, oh, this was maybe a mismanaged project and shouldn't have gone out in the state that it did, but it was in development for eight years or whatever and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, um, making yeah, video games I don't games think they're alone in that, though. Like, I feel like Ubisoft's going to have one of those titles this year with Skull and Bones. Uh, I think I think Ubisoft is facing down a reckoning. I, I think they are... It feels like a lot of their IP are stagnating at the same time, and they're losing a bunch of people, and... And they're made, they've made some bad plays. Like, the, the like NFT thing was them chasing the latest trend again, and once again, they, they picked the wrong one, or they were late to the party. It's just like... They, they like, really... They really misread the room a lot of times. And I feel like, you know, Far Cry's lost its luster. The reboot of Assassin's Creed, right? The last trilogy of, like, the newer kind of direction. I feel like that's kind of, like, it doesn't feel as fresh as it did with Origins anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Rainbow Six thing, the, like, uh, the one that was, like, virus-focused, didn't yeah. really come at a great time, wasn't really well-received. Not really their fault on that one, but just, yeah. You know, but the And the latest Ghost Recon didn't do as well as wildlands skull and bones is about to come out and i don't know about that yeah it's like i just feel like it's like i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know what it looks like for them but i mean what better time than now to like be floundering and get bought so and not to mention prince of persia that was meant to come out like two years ago and has been changed hands of developers like two times now. It it looks like a pretty like low effort port too. So it's like, why is this struggling so much to get across the finish line? It's, it, it, it's concerning. It speaks to the fact that it seems like the, like they're shifting deck chairs on the Titanic over there. But I guess we'll see, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I'm interested to hear from, from you, the listener. I know there were a lot of folks in the community that were, um, concerned about this after this conversation how do you feel about it do you feel any differently like what are your thoughts what are the things that you're kind of concerned about um or if you are feeling more positive about it or at least open to the idea like what are some game modes you'd like to see come to skate like you know do you have any ideas for stuff you'd like to see them try or you know like are there you know maybe modes from like previous skate games that like i'm not familiar with that maybe you want to see make a comeback um, very interested to hear from folks who are like more dialed into skate as, a, just, as a franchise. I just want to play horse and like b- battle over all the letters. And sure. Just, just like race to go get them. <laughs> all right. So uh, thank you guys for joining us here in another episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast. Remember, if you want to show your support, you can head over to flipscreen.games and find links for all the ways that you can get involved. Head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash flipscreengames. If you want to uh, back us and get some extra perks and goodies, remember, you can get early access to this and our sister show, Nintendo Noise. You can get one more thing, our Patreon-exclusive podcast. Uh, you can get your name read on the air. You can get uh, some cool Discord perks, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, so however you choose to get involved, we do appreciate you. You can head over to uh, the Discord where we've got you know a, a really welcoming community of gamers who are – you know. Very nice. We're always looking for more folks to come and join the conversation. We have a thread every week there where we keep the conversation rolling after the episode ends. Uh, If you listen to the most recent episode of Nintendo Noise, we got a hell of a response about my assertion that uh, Splatoon was not a top five Nintendo franchise. So we're going to be going back to that conversation next week. So, yeah, so write in. You know, Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of the dialogue, however you uh, 
you know, however you want to get involved, uh, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, go check out a Twitch stream or something. You know, if you want to get some more content from us, there's a bunch of places you can get it. Um, so head over to flipscreen.games. That's where you'll get all those links. So for the Flipscreen Games podcast, I've been Pete. He's been Steve. We'll see you next week, skaters. I should have said later, skaters. Really, a missed yeah, opportunity. Really, a missed opportunity. <sighs>